Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter, ideas that can shape markets and sometimes change the world. We have with us today a gentleman who really has a front row seat in looking at where this market's going that will create strategic investor value. And, uh, and that could be the gamut of technology companies, integrators, consultants, uh, managed service providers, and uh, really has a perspective on not only how that the markets evolved over time in the context of strategic value, but also evolving in the future. Michael Levenberg with LLR Partners, which focus primarily in the private equity space and also focuses on you know, 25 to $150 million companies and provides strategic guidance on their path to value. Michael, welcome. Ron, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Michael and I just discussed the fact that we're both in our home environments right now, and he warned me his kids might be on the internet doing that thing we call remote schooling these days, right, Michael? That's right. That's right. We're juggling all the balls in the air that everyone else is juggling and adapting to uh, the new environment. So I've a nine-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter that are both uh, at home on their iPads now uh, in remote remote classrooms. And at least making it work. At least you think so, because if we do have degradation in our audio or our video, Michael, it'll probably be because they're they're gaming instead of it actually in there. That's right. <laughs> absolutely right. Particularly my son. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so let, let's just talk about LLR for a second and your unique seat in this industry. T tell me a little bit about LLR and, uh, and uh, kind of their profile and, their, and the context by which you work in this, in this ecosystem. Sure. Yeah, so LLR, uh, we are a private equity firm uh, based in the Philadelphia area. Uh, the firm was actually founded 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago in 1999. Um, and, you know, at that time, it was a really kind of simple thesis or simple model that the three founders were trying to employ. Uh, these were all former service providers and uh, individuals that were in and around the, the kind of finance and investing world or providing strategic advice to growth companies. And um, there, was an, there was an opportunity in the Philadelphia area and the broader mid-Atlantic where companies in our backyard were really underserved by capital providers to partner with them to try to drive value and continue to help them scale their businesses. There were firms uh, from the New York area that would, you know, parachute down on the train or whatever, or fly out from San Francisco uh, to, uh, to look at these businesses, but there was really no one in their backyard in the community to try to partner with them and, and do just that, partner with them to, to grow their businesses. So our three founders uh, founded LLR at the time to do that. It was a, you know, it was a model that was at that time very focused locally. We were uh, agnostic in terms of the industries that we invest in. And it was all about finding uh, good companies operating in good industries where we believed that with our partnership, uh, we could help them drive value, drive value and make a better company. And the model has always been flexible, which is a really unique aspect of, of our firm in that we uh, are fairly agnostic. You see, you know, many of our peers or competitors uh, will 
invest in these businesses, but what they're doing is they're really acquiring, you know, 90 or 100 percent of a business. The unique aspect of LLR when we were founded, and it still remains true to this day, is that uh, we're we're agnostic as to the ownership percentage that we take in a business, and about 50 percent of our investments over time, we have actually been a minority owner where we own less than 50% of the business that we invest in. And then the other uh, half of the time we're a control owner. And that just speaks to the partnership orientation of our firm. We are truly partnering with founders and entrepreneurs and side by side trying to help them grow their businesses. So about, I joined the firm about uh, eight years ago and uh, right before I joined uh, we had uh, invested in our first business in the physical security industry. And really, you know, over the last, so I've been with the firm, as I said, eight years, but over the last 10 years, uh, we've built out a practice that's dedicated to the physical security industry, uh, which is pretty unique, pretty unique, particularly for a firm of our size to have a dedicated practice area and a dedicated team of individuals that are investing in, you know, all of the trends that, uh, we all follow pretty closely in the, in the, in the sector. So I, I lead that team. Uh, I'm on the board of a number of portfolio companies that we have that are in the physical security sector and have loved every minute with it. It's a really interesting and dynamic space that has its nuances that are certainly different from other, other industries. Uh, but we're excited by, you know, all the opportunities and, and all the ways that the industry continues to evolve. So uh, help me out. Let's just put some uh, teeth to this a little bit. If, if you are, if, if I'm starting to work with you as an owner of one of these companies, how do you support my innovation, my ideas, my value creation uh, uh, so that we both win? Sure. No, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, uh, the firm as a whole, and I'll try to put teeth to it, but I'll start off broad. The firm as a whole is focused on a couple of different industry segments, one of which being the physical security space. And we have individuals that have been operating in those sectors for many years and have interacted with a number of companies, some of which we've invested in, some of which we haven't. Uh, but we've interacted with those companies and have built up uh, a degree of domain expertise and industry expertise that, you know, is very helpful to our companies. So one of the ways that we add value is instead of uh, LLR coming as a generic investment firm that invests across every industry and just looks for good opportunities, we have individuals that are dedicated towards specific sectors. Uh, I, for one, as I said, I've spent really more than the last 10 years, but uh, at LLR, the last you know eight, eight plus years in the physical security space, I have built up a network of executives that I trust and that I know and that are my advisors, and uh, have built up you know past experiences that are relevant across many sectors, but especially relevant towards the physical security industry. So that owner can know that we're coming in with a level of knowledge and expertise and a network that is tailor-made, if you will, to, uh, to their business and the challenges that they're facing and the opportunities ahead uh, in the security industry as a whole. And then separate from the, that domain knowledge, um, we 
we fully admit that we don't have a monopoly on good ideas and we don't corner every aspect of, you know, the strategy and leadership and business world. So uh, oftentimes, really all of the time, we will uh, seek to recruit independent board members uh, to the companies to fill in specific gaps that may be there or specific opportunities that lie ahead for the company and try to just get more people around the table uh, to help advise uh, and support our management teams as they continue to scale the businesses. And then the final point is um, one that, you know, is probably the most exciting for me. Uh, since I've been in LLR, we have developed and scaled a team of our own that we call the value creation team. And this is really think of it as an in-house portfolio, uh, sorry, in-house uh, consulting firm that focuses on advising our portfolio companies on specific functional areas. So, you know, Ron, as I was going through the great conversation website, I saw all the different, um, you know, streams or tracks that you have on the website. And a lot of those are focused on different functional areas like HR and leadership and change management and innovation and technology. Well, we have individuals at LLR that are practice leaders, if you will, focused on each of those areas. And it's never forced on our companies, but when, you know, we jointly identify an opportunity for a project where we can um, have one of our folks come into a company and work side by side with our, you know, the head of HR at one of our portfolio companies or the head of sales on a strategic project, uh, we have those resources internally. And um, I mean, there's many examples that we could go through if we want to get deeper, but it's been a, it's been a really great evolution for our firm in the way, ways that we're supporting our portfolio companies. It's been, and it's been really well received by those companies. That's outstanding. So you not only have broad-based market intelligence in the security space, but also specific domain expertise in the practices you bring uh, you source independent board of directors that can help with the strategic value components and you develop best practices around the core operational functions that you call the value creation team. So did I summarize? Okay. You did. You okay. did more succinctly than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the past 10 years, how have your investments gone? What kind of what kind of companies have you invested in? And then I'll ask you, given everything that's going on today, what will the next 10 years look like? Take a shot at it. We won't hold you responsible, but uh, love okay. to see what you're thinking about in the future. Yeah, sure. Um, sure, so the, the first investment that we made uh, was back in 2012, so it uh, predated me by a year, but uh, it was a security systems integrator. And, um, that integration firm was a really good, so I joined when we had already made the initial investment, but part of the thesis for that company was to uh, look to other smaller firms and um, see if there were acquisition opportunities for other businesses that were a strategic fit, either other geographies or other uh, vertical markets that they were focused on you know, to combine with our business. And so right out of the gate, um, when I joined LLR, um, my primary responsibility was to get out into the integration world, get to know firms and just understand the pulse of that sector or of that segment of the market. And it was a great training ground for me back then, because as we all know, I mean, you know, 
it kind of flows down from the manufacturers, but the integrators play a very significant role in the space and, you know, a very significant, in many cases, sort of conduit and strategic partner to the end users. And so being able to speak, I mean, it's probably spoke to, you know, upwards of 75 different integrators over the course of a two to three year period um, really helps me get to know the sector, get to know the opportunities, but also the challenges faced by integrators, how that segment of the market was evolving. And it was a really good kind of training ground for me, if you will, to get to know the space. Uh, since then, we've made a number of other investments. Um, one uh, is a, uh, a business primarily in the access control space, but they are uh, really uh, a global independent supplier of security products. Uh, the majority of the business is focused on access control, which is where the management team's experience comes from. Uh, but we also have developed and also acquired product lines over the years in the commercial intrusion market, as well as the video surveillance market and the uh, networking and, and comm space, uh, really kind of data transmission equipment um, and networking equipment that helps uh, facilitate primarily the video surveillance networks. Uh, so that, that has been a great experience for us uh, and one that people may know in the business is called Acre and it's led by Joe Grillo who's the, been around the industry for a long time and is a phenomenal operator. Uh, Joe uh, was on the uh, original management team of HID and then you know was there when they sold it uh, to Asa Abloy and became the CEO of the business and took over a division for us. So it's been a great experience for us and for me partnering with Joe and, and uh, seeing the access control sector as a whole evolve uh, over the last seven years that we've, we've been uh, partners with him in that business. And then besides uh, the integration space and the access control and product space, uh, we made an investment in the uh, video surveillance, uh, really the remote video monitoring sector which uh, we can talk about some of the trends uh, in the second part of your question, but this was an opportunity for us to invest behind that shift from, you know, primarily uh, on-premise models where you're either buying security equipment yourself and you're responsible for maintaining that equipment or you're, um, you know, you're relying on others on site to, help manage your security operations. This is a business that's able to effectively monitor video remotely, uh, similar you know, to the alarm space, but uh, the video space has uh, gone through a pretty significant evolution uh, over the last five plus years where a lot of these businesses can now operate at a, a cost and value proposition that is, um, you know, the ROI is there for the end users to be able to do that. Um, so we were excited by uh, to be part of that trend and that sort of disruption in the video surveillance uh, as a service, if if you want to call it that, uh, segment of the market. And then the final portfolio company that I'll mention is a, is a business called 3SI Security Systems, which is a uh, really neat uh, and exciting business that we uh, invested in back in 2017. And that's a business that's primarily in the asset tracking and loss prevention market, where 3SI uh, provides GPS tracking devices primarily for their customers to uh, monitor either either cash or 
or high value goods at different retailers. And to the extent that there is a robbery, uh, 3SI works hand in hand with law, enfor- law enforcement to track the GPS tracking devices and then ultimately apprehend the criminals. And it's, uh, it's a really neat business. They have a really strong value proposition. They are uh, very embedded in the law enforcement community. Uh, and you know, besides being potentially a good investment for LLR, it's also a great company for our communities because they're able to take uh, some pretty violent criminals off the street and, um, and help our uh, loss prevention and you know, security uh, end users that, that place their trust in us, help them just protect their employees and their customers. So it's, a, it's, a, it's been a great story for us and uh, one that we continue to be really excited about. So, so to answer your question, we've sort of invested across the whole spectrum of the sector and, um, you know, really find, uh, find the sector to be um, a great place to, to spend time in from an investor's perspective and still many opportunities ahead going forward. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's so funny because we, we're, we're going to talk about the future too and what segments you're finding exciting, but just from that story, we can tell uh, that you definitely believe in a shift here, and it's probably been accelerated by the pandemic, given given the expanse of the threat that people, that companies are going to be looking at a different way to optimize the security function, and it may not be buying your own equipment anymore. It may not even be buying your own people anymore, but outsourcing that component. So I'm, I'm going to th- say just from the story you've told me, you believe that segment's going to grow. I do. I do. Yeah, we've, uh, we've absolutely been focused on that shift in the market uh, across all the segments where um, whether you want to call it a managed service provider or security as a service, I think the way that end users are comfortable, the security practitioners are comfortable buying and the um, I think the cost curve of of the the equipment that's being sold, or the, rather the solutions that are being sold, enables a really interesting model for the sector as a whole, where you could be buying video, you could be buying the protection of video surveillance for your business as a you know small or medium sized business owner, and you can pay for that protection on a monthly basis, as opposed to in the past having to buy a camera and having someone, you know, maybe look at that camera after the fact, or maybe you're contracting with a guard company, um, which obviously still has its value, but I think is being uh, supplemented with some of these technologies that are being sold as a service and being, um, being provided or monitored on a remote basis. So some of that disruption, that innovation, it's exciting to us and we're trying to continue to invest, to invest behind those trends. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because if you think of human beings, we're going to see augmentation here, right? <laughs> to, to the extreme, you've got Elon Musk wanting to put a chip in our head. Uh, and, but, but when I say augmentation, you mentioned guards, for example. We're starting to see the use of robots, drones, uh, as well as video as a service. We're looking at augmenting and making more effective and more cost efficient. So that's a, 
those sectors in and around that notion, that value proposition is where you're going to spend most of your time in the next 10 years? It is. That's, uh, that's absolutely, uh, I think you summed it up well. I mean, today, the, the drone space and the robotic space for the type of companies that LLR focuses on, they, it may be too early. Uh, there's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, money and investments being made in those businesses, but it's more from the, the venture capital space, but that's changing. I mean, there are absolutely examples of businesses, both in the, in the security world and in the, um, let's just say the commercial, uh, you know, operational use case uh, spaces where uh, private equity firms have invested behind some rapidly growing businesses that are providing that human augmentation as you as you characterized it. So we're, we're certainly, we certainly have our eye on those trends and there's no doubt, you know, 10 years from now uh, that, that those will be you know, major players either inside of companies that we know today or as new companies that have, you know, just succeeded and uh, their technology has pro proliferated uh, the security space. The other trends that we're focused on um, and, and really just as a, as we've been around the access control space now with Joe and his team at Acre uh, over many years, um, we've seen the this trend of the electronification of the door as something that is very exciting to us and that we follow pretty closely. Uh, many of the access control uh, manufacturers and OEMs as you know, uh, traditionally have protected the exterior doors, perimeter doors of the building, uh, just based on the cost of putting those systems in. It just was somewhat cost prohibitive to, uh, to secure interior doors. Well, uh, we all know that the major lock manufacturers and many others have uh, developed products and technologies in recent years to secure interior doors and shift those doors from a mechanical lock and key to a, an electronic lock that is visible on the network and that can be controlled and monitored remotely. And that's a really exciting trend to us because if you think about the number of, you know, static offline doors in the U.S. or across the world, it is a gigantic number. And even if there are small penetration rates of electronic locks and these IP enabled locks over the coming years, it still represents uh, a very, very large opportunity for many different companies across the entire value chain. So we're, we haven't found it yet, um, but uh, we're, we're trying, we're, we're paying very close attention to those trends and trying to find the right segment of the market to invest behind to, uh, to be part of that really exciting development in the sector. Okay, so that would be one of the near-term ones you're looking for uh, with an eye on the future of what we just talked about. So uh, is there anything else we should know about your thinking, your domain expertise in this space right now that we should keep our eyes on as a, as a community of uh, practitioners as well as the channel? Um, well, I mean, I think we, I think we've covered the areas that we are uh, we're spending time on. <clears throat> you do read a lot about, uh, and as you as we used when we used to go to physical trade shows and 
hopefully that comes back at some point. But, you know, you walk in the halls of the trade shows and looking at the booths of the exhibitors, all the trends around, you know, the move, movement towards cloud and the movement towards mobile. Uh, I think I'd be, you know, remiss, obviously, without, you know, mentioning something around those trends. Um, the security industry is a really interesting space where there are businesses that have been around for clearly many years that have very large installed base of customers that have bought their technology over many years. And they're, um, they're embedded with their OEM partners. Uh, they are also trying to innovate, innovate and take advantage of the best product that's out there, but at the same time, be cautious in how quickly the sector changes. Uh, if it's not broken, don't fix it, right? And particularly for a security use case, if it's working, then let's not mess with it. So um, we, I, I guess over the last, the prior five years, we've been maybe surprised by the very gradual shift of the movement towards cloud and mobile relative to some of the other industries that we focus on where those trends are very powerful and are, you know, obviously here to stay. And, you know, um, we're probably, you know, you're probably too late to the game if you're first talking about cloud, you know, in 2020. In the security sector, though, I think we've made a shift. We're making a shift now, or maybe it's happened in the last year or two, where I, I believe the practitioners and different segments of the market really can grasp the benefits uh, and the reasons why they may want to explore explore either a cloud first or a cloud hybrid solution uh, for how they look at security. And maybe it's not the enterprise market, you know, maybe it's new markets like the SMB market that uh, perhaps in the past um, didn't buy the security the way that they're able to buy today. Um, so I don't know, a little bit of a rambling response, but I think I think th that shift towards cloud has been very slow moving in the security sector for you know reasons that I mentioned. But as we're starting to talk to more businesses that have that that model and that technology architecture, we are seeing that accelerate. And I think you'll continue to see that acceleration over the next five to 10 years, particularly in some of the segments like the SMB market, where someone can now, it's kind of going back to what we were talking about with the security as a service. Someone can now buy a, an access control or a video surveillance or per perimeter protection solution. They can pay for that solution on a monthly basis, perhaps with no annual contract. And they can uh, monitor their storefront or their facility, you know, at home at night um, when they're having dinner with their family or when they're going to bed. Um, so you're going to see these technologies uh, get greater adoption from some of those markets where they just, they were either not buyers in the past or they were very different buyers in the past from what they will be, what they are today and what they will be going, uh, what they will be in the future. If that makes sense. <laughs> In talking to many technology vendors, um, they're as surprised as you uh, that the their channel, their reseller integrators 
haven't been able to jump on this as quickly as they thought they would. And uh, uh, so there's lots of ideas of why that's occurred, but with the pandemic forcing many of them to stay off site, that, that I think now we're going to see a pressure from the business standpoint of saying, if, if these were remote customers, we might have a, a different viability as a company through a pandemic like this. That's right. I think That's a great point. So uh, I really appreciate, this has been a great conversation with Michael Levenberg at LLR. Michael, a couple final questions. Um, any, anything, any recommended reading? This is a diverse membership. It, it's integrators, consultants, tech vendors, but mostly security executives and their teams. Any particular reading material you'd uh, like to turn them on to? Sure, I don't know that it's necessarily new reading material, uh, but I am uh, reading uh, Hamilton right now uh, about Alexander Hamilton, which I know has gotten a lot of press. You know, he as an individual uh, has gotten a lot of press over the recent years, just given the, the uh, musical uh, that's been out on Broadway, that's gotten uh, many accolades and also you know, some controversy. Uh, so my family and I watched that musical and my kids actually loved the music. Um, but it, it, uh, turned me on to Alexander Hamilton and, and I think opened my eyes to a lot of things that I just didn't know about him as one of the founding fathers. So I'm, uh, I'm reading the uh, book that the, the musical was based off of. I forget the author, but, um, it's, uh, you know, I think a five or 600 page book which I never thought I would make it through, but I'm, uh, I'm almost in the middle and uh, pretty engrossed and, and loving every page of it. Awesome. And uh, it's a round table here at The Great Conversation. Ideas matter. Uh, anybody you'd like to invite into the conversation? There's no one that I can think of, no individual that I can think of off the top of my head, but as I was uh, perusing The Great Conversation website and and the, the topic areas that you cover and seek to cover. <clears throat> My interests lie with some of the uh, HR leaders uh, and you know, chief, chief human resource officers at some of the businesses that you interact with and that are close partners with the security executives. I'd be really interested in hearing from them, particularly in this environment, how they are you know, managing their workforces and managing with the constraints and challenges, both from a people perspective, but from an operations perspective, a security perspective, a facilities perspective. Uh, these are unprecedented times for all of us. And I think having the perspective of a, uh, a, a leader that wears the hat of people and talent and culture and uh, employees in some of the businesses that I know that you're close with, I for one would find very interesting. It, it, you know, it's so funny. Uh, if you do get a chance to listen to many of these, um, as you know, these are unscripted conversations and the whole idea is to what, what's on the front of their minds right now. And many of them do talk about that, how this has been a tremendous wake-up call on the value of their organizational culture, their leadership team culture, and how they come together to make decisions. And what we're finding 
is in many cases for the first time, security in fact has been in the room with some strategic decisions are being made regarding the uh, right. future of the company. So pretty exciting times, I think, for many of them. One, uh, Stephen Antoine, those of you listening today, Stephen Antoine, uh, CSO of Yum, said, I, I finally woke up and realized that I didn't need to physically be at a table anymore. I just needed to make sure my ideas were. And I, I right. that was yeah. an interesting remark as well. I like that. Yeah. So this I has like been a that. great conversation with Michael Levenberg. He and I go back quite a few years, mostly uh, drive-by conversations at the shows and sometimes in person. But uh, Michael, it's great. Sounds like you've thrived. You have a wonderful uh, portfolio of uh, investments, it sounds like. We'll have to come back in a few years and uh, see how they've done. And uh, But thanks again for your time and your, your intellect. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate you having me. Uh, it's been fun. It's been great. I'd love to do it again anytime. Thanks.